I'm Eric Chemi, and this is Politely Pushy. Nikki, thanks so much for joining me here on the podcast today. I have so much to talk to you about, but right now you're the co-founder of De Villiers Consulting, and I'm glad I don't have to say it in the French way, like De Villiers. I appreciate that it's the English, the English version of that. Fractional marketing, fractional sales for tech organizations. Why is it that the marketing role is most frequently the one that is done fractionally, right? Like you don't see fractional HR or fractional CTO or fractional head of sales, fractional head of finance. Why marketing, why does it lend itself to being able to be done in a fractional way? Because we're magic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's a good question, Eric. my answer is, you know, we can dip in and out and be aligned with organizations really at the tip of a hat. I think, you know, most marketeers, actually all marketeers, we're very creative. We have the ability to pivot. And I think that makes us perfect to pivot in and out of organizations, you know, in terms of what their requirements are so that we can align with their businesses however they need us to be aligning. What do you see in the tech space right now? You've been in the tech space for a while. What's changed all of a sudden? I'd say the two big things are the post-pandemic and the generative AI, right? Those two things in the last three years have really changed the way a lot of these companies are operating. What's the biggest problem that companies are coming to you with when they're reaching out for your services? So a lot of conversations I'm having at the moment are with smaller organizations that are in the startup space. So really about positioning and how do they drive demand? That's what I'm finding predominantly. How do they drive demand? What is the number one thing, right? Because right now we're seeing a lot of layoffs in the tech space. Hey, you know, the market's turning. It's a recession. They're going so They're cutting marketing. They're cutting sales. They're cutting advertising. They're cutting PR. But that's how you generate demand, right? So how, how do you tell these companies that are struggling to meet a budget that, hey, you need to keep a little bit of your money? You got to be able to do some of these basic functions. You can't just get rid of it. Or is that where being fractional is helpful? Hey, you only need me one day a week rather than five, and, and maybe you can get by that way. Yeah, I think that the landscape is changing. And it's interesting that when you opened up, you commented on kind of fractional marketing only. But what I'm actually seeing is there are a lot more fractionals across chief revenue officers, across chief product, um, CIO, etc. So the fractional space is really starting to grow, which is extraordinary. Um, And that tells me that organizations are really beginning to move away from just bringing senior people in full time, but also looking at the part time piece also. How do you actually keep track? Let's say you're doing fractional. Are you doing five? Like, is it one day a week? Like, what's the typical breakdown? And how do you keep all those straight in your heads? Because it feels like you're thinking about it all the time. Right. So if you have five jobs, that's like five full time jobs because you're not just working for them on a Monday and then not thinking about them the rest of the week. How do you keep that mental balance? Okay, so I've just launched my company, so I don't have that problem yet. But vision. How do you envision solving (laughs) that problem? What have others said to you about solving that problem? It's it's a it's an interesting question because as a marketeer, we're always juggling many things. Right. But just within one organization. 
So the conversations I'm having is it's about how you compartmentalize and separate that out. So, you know, my perfect world would be looking at working with two or three organizations on a fractional basis. I'm also doing a lot of uh, pro bono work too, which is really rewarding, but that kind of fills my time up also. Talk about some of the pro bono work. Oh, okay. Exciting. Or, or one that so, excites you, one that you're really proud of. So the one I've just joined recently, and it's going to be announced in June, is a charity focusing on bringing African culture to life within the UK and empowering African children to uh, understand their culture and, and, and embrace it. And for other people around those children to also embrace it and, and, and feel educated and empowered to understand how powerful the African culture is. And obviously coming from Zimbabwe, it's something that's quite close to my heart. Are you from Zimbabwe? I am. Oh, I, 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 yeah, I couldn't place the accent. I just was assuming something different, but yeah. you know, you've had a lot of UK work. I assume it was UK, but it wasn't quite a UK accent. So Zimbabwe, that makes yeah. sense. You've worked for a lot of big brands. Oracle, Tibco, SAS, you know, McAfee, like what, what have you been able to take from those big brands that you can apply to the startup environment, right? When you're helping some of these smaller firms who, you know, would dream to be one day, if they were 1% the size of Oracle, we will be a huge success. What can you bring from your experience to help them? Hustle. But big companies aren't known for their hustle, right? It feels like the startups are known for their hustle and big companies are known for bureaucracy, hierarchy, management, lots of meetings and process. Yeah, they are. However, when you're inside an organization like Oracle, you have to hustle to really get things done and be successful. Um, what I found in my, in my last seven years at Oracle was being resourceful and, and working out how to get the best out of the different areas of the business. So like a little worker bee, you know, getting budget from here, horse trading here, uh, collaborating with different areas of the business. So in terms of being able to bring that to a startup, I think it's really powerful because you learn to be resourceful. Is there a particular type of startup founder that seems to end up getting the most success? Like, are there certain personality traits, characteristics that you find are most commonplace in the startups that succeed? Never giving up. Just, you know, you get told no all the time, right? The and, time. and not accepting that. At some point that you have to give up, right? At some point, this startup, whichever one it is, XYZ startup, at some point it's going to fail, right? For, for most of them. So is there a point where never giving up hurts them because maybe they don't pivot soon enough? Maybe they don't shut down and start the next startup sooner. Do they stay too long on an idea that's maybe not ready for the marketplace? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. You know, I think believing in what you're doing is so powerful and, and, and maybe sometimes that can work against you. But for me, it's it's about that veracity and, and that belief, right? And you have to apply that yourself, right? Because when, when someone's running your own business right now, you're running your own business, you've worked for big companies, 
you're running a business helping other people run their own business. So are you finding that you're bringing back that hustle, right? Like you talked about, hey, the hustle from Oracle, the aggressiveness, never giving up. Are you having to do it yourself in addition to preaching yep. that to the choir? Every day. Every day. What is your biggest challenge right now when either bringing on new clients or trying to convince clients to come on board? Is it understanding their business? Is it getting them to find the budget? Is it a personality match? How do you, what's the obstacle that you're most likely facing in order to get someone to sign on? I think just finding organizations that are ready, ready to take that chance on you, you know, with me being quite a new business and a new founder, just that credibility, you know, having to work on my, um, on my network. I've had a lot of support, but it's hustle. You know, it's every day getting online, getting on LinkedIn, talking to people that you know, uh, pitching. It's exciting, but it's terrifying at the same time. Yeah, I can imagine. And what made you decide, I'm going to go out on my own now? Like, I'm no longer going to be part of big corporate. I'm, I'm doing this myself now. I want to be the person running the show. You know, I've been in corporate for over 25 years now. And I think moving out of Oracle, moving back into another organization and realizing that it wasn't where I wanted to be and it wasn't for me, I kind of went, you know what, I'm going to try this. So I set up De Villiers Consulting last year, but I didn't action it. So I see. I see. So in April, percolating for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where'd the name come from? Oh, so that's my maiden name. Um, oh. It's a way of honoring my family. I see. So the former Nikki De Villiers. Yeah. That's what it is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so Mr. Stenson, what does he think about all this? <laughs> he loves it, of course. <laughs> He's excited. You know, it's it's risky. It's you're putting yourself out there. But it's I also think it's exciting. Yeah. What's been the biggest positive surprise in this process? Something that you thought would be a challenge or very difficult that turned out, oh, actually, this was a really good experience. That's a good question. Um, I think launching it and, and putting yourself out there, you know, launching the website, launching ourselves. We did it on LinkedIn. Just the support around me, amazing support of people, people who really believe in me, believe in us. Your craft is marketing, right? Your craft is marketing and sales expertise for other organizations. But how much of that do you have to apply yourself? right? To do it yourself, or you have to market yourself, sell yourself. It's one thing to do it on behalf of a company, on behalf of a tech product. It's another thing to do it for yourself. Do you find that that is the same skill set or it's actually a very different type of challenge, a different role? No, it's a similar skill set, right? It's about putting yourself out there. And what's interesting is I've not done that before. So you get up, you know, we're building the website and like, we're creating copy for our website. You know, is it good? Is it bad? Is it ugly? You know, it's hard and, and, and it's your baby. So, so you kind of think, oh, it's really good. But actually you have to step back and put your ego aside and go, does this resonate? So it's, we're always tweaking. How much feedback have you had to take from other people 
who say, oh, change this to your site or change this to your approach or if you did this, it would be better. How much are you bringing input versus you have to ignore it and do it the way you want to do it? 50-50. You know, I think feedback is good. It's always important to, to listen to what other people are saying. You know, as a marketeer, we should always be listening to our customers and our prospective customers, right? Um, because at the end of the day, it's not about us, it's about them. Um, so, yeah, feedback is good. And I've put myself out there and said, okay, tell us what you think. Tell me what you think. So always open to that. Is there a particular niche within tech that you're looking to focus on or that you feel like you have the most expertise in? Good question. I think looking at the landscape at the moment, I think it's probably smaller organizations that are either starting out or looking to pivot. That's that's where we're targeting. But is there a in terms of like product focus or geographic focus, or is it more of a size focus at the moment? I think we're looking at more of a size focus at the moment. Uh, geographic, you know, I'm happy to work with organisations out of north, outside of north, out of North America, um, and across EMEA. You know, I, I've done that in my career. Worked with organisations all over the world. So, uh, geographically, I'm open. Right. What is it unique to a smaller organization that you think you can provide help for? I think coming from a big organization, I have a ton of experience that I can bring in either from a mentoring piece or a strategic piece. And I don't need to be there full time. I can do it on, on a more of a fractional basis. So bring that expertise in for a shorter period of time. When you look at the news out there right now, Right. I'm thinking about this as a, as a journalist, a communications professional, professional. I think about this from the media space. I look at what's published and how it informs me and how it can inform companies. I just see a lot of fear right now, right? Mm -hmm. I see a lot of, okay, do we have enough money? My friends just got laid off at Facebook the other day, right? These are the, the big companies with billions of dollars, right? Where... Where is the opportunity for a smaller firm right now when the big companies are retrenching, right? They, they don't want to spend that much. But now if you're little, you have to spend. You have to hire people. You have to grow. You have to be out there. How do they do that in a world that is treacherously growing, right? Like maybe we're going to be in a recession here. Maybe we're already in a recession and we don't know it. How does a company really be proactive in that environment right a few years ago everything was grow 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 there's money to be had people will invest in your firm you can do it into a spec with no you know anything like there was a big opportunity to get big very fast or at least pretend to be big now that's a bigger challenge so i'm sure that's where you can come in and help but how do you see that landscape for a lot of these smaller firms you know i think you're always going to need marketing, right? Maybe not on such a, a grand scale. I think some of the organizations I'm talking to are more about some specific strategic projects like social selling or, or content positioning or creation. So for me, it's more about aligning with organizations to see where their, their growth areas are, what pain points they have that I can help to address, you know, 
Are they wanting to pivot uh, towards a new customer base or grow that customer base out? Is it account-based marketing? So it's really about having those conversations with, with organizations that I believe I could work with and doing a discovery with them um, and then bringing my recommendations and seeing how we can work together. The challenge always for these technical firms, they're usually run by the engineer, right? They're run by the founder who's highly technical. Maybe they're not the best communicators or the best marketers or best salespeople. They, they tend to be on one side of that spectrum. And I know because I'm an engineer by training, right? I'm a computer science major. So I get that. It's a lot of my, my peers. How do you get them to translate? Because it feels like it's two different languages, right? Hey, you can speak engineering to all your coders, maybe some customers, maybe some investors, but to get out there, you really have to change your language, change your approach, change your framework. Do you find that you're having to work a lot on that, on that language shift of this is what the public wants to hear and it's different from maybe what's in your engineering mind? Yeah, I think it's about taking the focus away from the product and thinking about your customer. What does your customer need? What issue are you solving for your customer? What's the value you're bringing to the customer? Understanding the customer, you've got to be crazy about the customer. You've got to understand the customer. And I think that's something from a marketing perspective that we can bring, right? So to really hone and, and define that. Do you think too many smaller firms are not thinking about the customer enough? Do you think they're too focused on the product and what they're doing? I think a lot of organizations are focused on that, right? Was that a it's not just the small firms too? I th yeah, I, you know, I think it's, it's, you, you look at most organizations, it is about the product, right? And, and less about, you know, what do you bring to the customer? Why does it matter? You look at organizations that have been really successful and they focus on the customer. You, you look at Apple, right? right? When Apple had their great, Haha, -ha, we're back. What was it about? Their, their product wasn't wasn't the best product on the market, but it was a it was about how they positioned it with the customer, right? A thousand songs in your pocket. I mean, right. anyone's right. going to want that, right? Right. Even though the technology already existed, there are other yeah. MP3 players that can fit in yeah. your pocket, but it just wasn't sold that way. Exactly. It's all about the language, right? And, and talking to the market, the way the market then responds to you. And, they, and the market did respond, didn't they? They went mad for it. Is there an example going back in your career where you were able to come up with some new language or come up with a way of, of changing the presentation to the marketplace that, that there was some meaningful turn? Like, oh, wow, if we did it like that, like the thousand songs in your pocket example. Is there a moment that you think about in your career where you feel like, you made a significant difference. I'd like to think so. Um. <laughs> and maybe some of these are secrets, right? Maybe some of these are corporate <laughs> secrets you can't share. So, but it's just more like, I'm just trying to look for an example to share with our audience, right? We're like, no, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I, and I've got an example when I worked for McAfee. Okay. You know, I don't know if it's profound, but it was something that we did in the UK that was really cool and fun. And, and made people kind of go, oh, this is interesting. You know, when you're marketing to B2B, it can be quite dull sometimes. That's a tougher, and, tougher sell. It's certainly a lot harder than your Apple and you're selling iPods, right? We, yeah, we all know yeah. That. yeah. 
And um, I remember I got in trouble with, <laughs> with corporate marketing because what we did is we created a, an advent calendar. I don't know if you get them in the U.S., um, but we, we do them here in the U.K. Yeah, we, yeah, we have uh, the advent calendars here. Okay, so, yeah, so we created an advent calendar and it had Santa on the front and he had a great giant Christmas sack and it had a big M on the sack for McAfee. And I, re I remember corporate saying to me, oh, you, you can't do this, it won't translate anywhere else. And I said, well, actually, we're, we're doing it in the UK. It's for the UK market. So it was kind of a an ask uh, forgiveness rather than permission, right? And we, we, we had hundreds of these advent calendars made. And then we also did a virtual competition online, integrated it into the calendar. So you'd get your calendar and you'd open it um, and you might get a chocolate and there might be a, a little prize in there uh, in terms of going to the website and, and opening the, the page on the website. And you might get something called a booby prize, which was like a silly joke or, or, or you know, something silly. But it, it was exciting because what happened is we had journalists tweeting about it. Oh, I've got, I'm opening my advent calendar window today. Uh, we had partners ringing their, their, their account managers saying, you know, why, why haven't I got my advent calendar? My colleagues got it on their desk and we haven't received one. So it, it was about, something exciting and fun uh, into the B2B audience that you know, maybe you wouldn't have done normally. So right. Right. kind of mixing it up. That you got people a little jealous. Hey, where's mine? Right? I need to participate yeah. too. You made it participatory. You made a little FOMO as part of it. And you were able to translate something, which otherwise can get bogged down in too much technicalities and too much you know, list of features and that kind of thing. And you made it more humanly understandable. So that, I like that example. So thank you for sharing that. that. That was sort of what I was looking for. Just something that people can get a tangible sense for what are some examples that can be done out there, especially when it's B2B. It's a lot of intangible tech because you can't put it in your pocket, right? It's all just yeah. code. You're just selling software. Yeah. Code. You're selling IP. It's a tough, that's a tough sell sometimes to get the emotions behind it. Nick, any, any final thoughts before we go in terms of how you see the marketplace playing out over the rest of this year? You know, I, you talked about fear earlier. I think, you know, I think people are nervous. And, right. you know, how, how do you live with anxiety and concern? And I think, you know, my advice to people is just, you know, keep your head up, keep your eyes up if, if you're, if you're challenging and you challenged and you've lost your job, just just keep positive and focused. It's it is a, it is tough out there, but I feel you know I feel positive about what the next six months are going to bring. I think I think we're going to pull back and we're going to pull out of this, and it's going to be good. Um, we just need to care for each other more and be positive. That's that's kind of my mantra, right? Because life can be hard. It can throw you some pretty hard curveballs. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. There's there's plenty of curveballs uh, certainly on, on our side uh, of the pond here as well, uh, in this household as well. So appreciate appreciate the sentiment, Nick. Thank you for spending some time with me because I know in your world time is money. You got 
clients to please. You've got work to do. So I appreciate you, you know, carving out some of that to, to chat with Thank you. And yes, yeah, so De Villiers Consulting, people can also follow you on LinkedIn, check out the website. Obviously, we'll have all those links here with the podcast. So Nikki, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Thanks so much, Eric. Thank you to my guest and thanks for listening. Subscribe to get the latest episodes each week and we'll see you next time.